the wrestling podcast about nothing is brought to you by bda radio bda radio doesn't break news they break the news with their wild commentary regarding mma and wrestling head on over to bdaradio.com and check out all of the latest news on the ufc bellator wwe and much more they are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves bdaradio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 21 presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's your wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object. He just informed me he's leaving wrestling for a career in mixed martial arts, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Well, I, hey, maybe I could do better than CM Punk did uh, on Saturday night, huh? Probably not. Probably not. It'd probably be much, much quicker and... Much, much bloodier. And you would have kicked his ass, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, Mike. I'm glad you have that level of uh, confidence in me. I appreciate that. There you go. CM Punk, yeah, he didn't uh, fare quite so well. Where do you fall on the spectrum of uh, happy, sad, he had a coming? Oh, I, I, no, no. I'm not, I'm not like one of those, he left the business that I love, man. He deserves to die in the ring. No, he's, he went out to do something. He did it. I mean, it didn't turn out so well. I think he's undeserving of the opportunity what that was presented to him. I think that's kind of bullshit. The fact that he got the chance to fight uh, in the octagon and, and had clearly had no, no business being there from that standpoint. It's funny. I was watching uh, uh, a guy who I've recently become uh, friends with, Chuck O'Neill, and he was kind of tweeting about it uh, on Twitter. That's where you tweet. Yes. And uh, he had some pretty good perspective on on, you know, Maybe Punk not really deserving that opportunity. Clearly, it was a publicity stunt. Clearly, UFC was trying to sell some pay-per-views, and they got their pay-per-view buys, and I'd be shocked if you saw him in the octagon again. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't give him like a cupcake opponent and the off chance that he might win. Well, this guy's only had two fights, right? But still, he's had like an amateur career, and I don't know. It was uh, quite the hill to climb, as uh, CM Punk said, and... Yeah, I, I if he does it again, he probably won't be in the UFC, as uh, Dana White said after the... Yeah, uh, I just don't think uh, you pick up something like mixed martial arts at 37, 38. What, what's how old CM Punk? Yeah, Somewhere right around there. I believe. That's not just something you say at like 37, 38. Hey, I'm going to go do this, and like all of a sudden you're successful at it, unless you're some sort of like freak like, like Brock Lesnar, who... Again, CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. Right, he had the like, amateur, uh, he had yeah. the amateur wrestling background to. Uh, right, I mean, I don't care enough about CM Punk to really have been rooting against him or whatever. I legitimately don't care in that retrospect, but just more along the lines of 
Eh, probably really didn't deserve the opportunity. Well, but. more on this, you could listen to A Man Walks Into an Armbar. Our good friends on BDARadio.com, they do the MMA podcast over there. I'm sure they have complete coverage of uh, UFC 203 over at A Man Walks Into an Armbar. Find them on BDARadio.com. But as for this podcast, the wrestling podcast about nothing, new episodes of this podcast are available every Monday on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and of course, at BDARadio.com. Also, listen to us every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. It's 10 p.m. now, Brian. Oh, wow. Unless they change it again next week. (laughs) On the Podcast Radio Network. Go to podcastradionetwork.net. Or download the CryKey Premium Radio app. CryKey, that's K-R-Y-K-E-Y. CryKey. CryKey. You know, just like uh, Steve Irwin there. Oh, okay. I God get rest, it now. God rest his soul. The CryKey Premium Radio app. Find that in the App Store or Google Play. And listen to us on the Podcast Radio Network. Now we ask, please do something for the wrestling podcast about nothing. The three S's, Brian. Still going with it? We're going with the three S's. Share, subscribe, and star rating. Please share our posts on Facebook, our tweets on Twitter. Retweet the links to the episodes when we put them up there. That gets the word out and gives more folks the opportunity to give us a listen. Also, be sure to subscribe to the feed on the podcast platform you're using right now and take a minute if you're on iTunes or Stitcher and give us a star rating. And if you'd be so kind, also a review. That is the best way to increase our exposure and help us grow. So please do us a personal favor. Remember, the three S's, Brian, the three S's. Share our social media posts, subscribe to the podcast feed, and please help us out with those star ratings. Brian, joining us today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, a former rival of yours, a former chaotic wrestling champion, much like yourself, a current Ring of Honor superstar. He is Donovan Dijak, and he will be here to discuss the success he's had in his relatively short career as he gets ready to challenge for the Ring of Honor television title at the end of this month on pay-per-view. We have so much. We go through his whole career. We'll talk about it all. And in addition to that, we have Merv Griffin time, a promo about nothing, and so much more. But before we get into all that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Backlash didn't amaze. Okay, let's pull back the curtain here, Brian. We, we're doing a lot of curtain pulling these days. Curtain yeah, it's jerking. Become, it's become like our catchphrase, I think. Yes. Uh, we're recording this before the event. We haven't seen Backlash. Some people like to listen to us the Monday after a pay-per-view. But as we talked about uh, way back when, um, I forget the episode number, but it was uh, Roman and Backlash and Dirt Sheets, oh my, was the name of the episode. Um we, we're not going to be able to keep up with all these pay-per-views. There are plenty of podcasts out there. I know Checking the Boots, they, they run down every show, every pay-per-view. You, you're free to check them out. Um, it's just too much for us to handle. Yeah, well, and, and here's the thing. So now we'll be, we're back here every single week. And later on, we're going to plug uh, how to contact the WPAN. If you yes. got a question, you want to hear our opinion on something about Backlash, you know, you know how to contact us. Indeed. And if you don't, you're going to hear it later. Use that hashtag. So we didn't see Backlash. I mean, maybe Backlash was great, but maybe it didn't exactly set the world on fire. 
But either way, BDA Radio really means the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Get your combat sports smackdown at BDARadio.com. I was talking with Todd Sinclair this weekend about uh, about BDARadio.com. He loves it. Who? Todd Sinclair, Fat Pants. Oh, the head of the head official of Ring he of Honor. Yeah, he loves the knockout of the night. And uh, what's the what's the other girly uh, Tale feature? Of the tape. Thank you, Tail the Tape. I couldn't slip my mind for a second there. Yeah, he loves them. He loves them. Loves so. the broads. Certainly does. And uh, maybe in the future here, we'll uh, have a little chit chat with Mr. Sinclair. Yes, I talked to him about that. Not as well. Mr. Sinclair, but <laughs> Todd Sinclair. Inside, I get the feeling there'll be lots of those sorts of things inside joke wise when. Uh, Todd does ultimately join us. Yes, indeed. And uh, speaking of Todd Sinclair and speaking of Ring of Honor, I'm doing a, a Tony S. segue, hashtag Tony S. segue. Let's get into our guest. All right, we are being joined by a guy who started right here locally with Brian Fury at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy just a few years ago and in quick order became a player in New England winning the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Uh, then last year, he won Ring of Honor's Top Prospect Tournament, which put him on the map nationally. On September 30th, he returns home to Massachusetts to take part in Ring of Honor Wrestling's All-Star Extravaganza 8 at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium in Lowell, Massachusetts, where he will challenge Bobby Fish for the ROH television title. He retired the kingpin Brian Malonis. Please welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, Donovan Dijak. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me. What's going on? Why did you have to bring that up? Here we are in my home. We're 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 watching we're watching football. We're eating chili, having a good time. Yeah, and then Mike's gonna ruin it and bring up the fact that you ended my illustrious chaotic wrestling career. I did it. I did it. What's the the whole story behind the uh, the retirement from chaotic wrestling? Well, do you want the storyline or the real story? I don't know. Ooh. What are you looking for here? No, I uh, you know I, I I was very jealous of Dijak's success. Uh, you know, so maybe I, I tied him up with some zip ties. Uh, I talk some trash in his face. Very uh, rude. Very rude. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, thre- I threatened to do some sort of bodily harm to you, uh, like, like kind of alluding to maybe I might kill you. Even I, I don't know. There like, may have been death threats. <laughs> like I, I pointed out your girlfriend at the time. Well, I think she was your fiance, fiance at the time. Fiance at the time. Um, it wasn't that long ago. It was like a few months ago. <laughs> yep. Um, you know. So and then uh, I put my career on the line, and he beat me at Cold Fury. Yeah, he went to business for himself. I, I, I shot it. <laughs> I shot it on you. All right, so we'll talk more chaotic wrestling in a second, but let's uh, let's go all the way back, uh, Donovan Dijak. Um, so you were a two sport athlete in college. Uh, hey, can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. Uh, now now that we're here, that reminds me because you just said Donovan Dijak. I assume you were in the room when that name was. Was or you were at least in the text message thread when that name was conceived. I, I, I have a sneaking theory that it was you who came up with Donovan. Is that I did, accurate? Yes, I, 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 I knew it. it to, I knew uh, it. I pitched it to Tarzan. Yeah. Yes, and you're uh, the creator of Donovan, not Dijak, but Donovan. Yes, yes. Dijak uh, is my real last name, but Donovan is not. So thank you very much. It's it's done. It's done me very very well. I love the alliteration. Yes. Well, I mean. <laughs> I think at the time, Ryback was getting a huge push, and yep. to me, Ryback, and if we were just going to call you Dijak, it just 
it needed, it, you needed something or people just think you're a Ryback ripoff. So I agree. We went with the Donovan Dijak. Yep, and probably half of the promoters in in uh, the Northeast disagree with you and just call me Dijak anyway, <laughs> which which I despise, by the way. I hate being called just Dijak. I, I love it in real life. I like because because it works. I can I can use it at work. I can use it with my family. Not my family. They don't call me Dijak, but I can use it with, with the boys. I can use it with anyone, but... In in the ring, I prefer to be Donovan Dijak. It just sounds better to me. I, I like the one promotion. I'm not, I, don't, I don't even know what promotion it is. Where it's all capital letters. Every time you name it, all capital Dijak, few, all capital letters. It, honestly, that's happened a few times. I think probably most prominently at Northeast Wrestling. Maybe it's an acronym. Is Dijak an acronym? Which, which I would un- maybe. Which I would understand because because I'm I'm a, a a tall guy. I'm I'm a big guy on the Indies. So I can understand the thought process. Here's Dijak, the intimidating, you know, one name monster or whatever it happened. But I don't wrestle like that at all. Like at all. I, 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 I'm very much a, a human being with, with emotions and I, I wrestle probably smaller than I, I probably should. So I'm definitely not this intimidating monster coming into the ring. I, I, I laugh. I, I, uh, I joke around sometimes. Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes, you know, so, so to me it, it doesn't work, but some promoters like it a lot. So, so they'll continue need to do it and it is what it is so yeah we're talking about your beginnings here in wrestling and you started out in 2013 with brian fury as i mentioned at the new england Pro wrestling academy uh what brought you there you after college right you were done with college and then you decided why not wrestling how'd you come <laughs> how'd you come to that um, there was a, a little lull, I suppose, in my life. Uh, 2010-11 is when I finished up at, at Bridgewater State. Um, I did five years total of football, one of which was at UMass Amherst. Um, but four years of Bridgewater, four years of basketball Bridgewater, including a graduate year. So I think I got my graduate degree in like 2011, 2000, late 2010, early 2011, something like that. So once I finished that up, I for the first time in in uh, my adult life anyway, I had my my weeknights and weekends sort of free. So I while I was looking for a full time job, I also you know had a, a void to fill because I didn't have basketball or football practice or training or anything like that. You know I would still play pickup basketball at the gym or whatever, but but I had you know my for the most part I had my nights free. So I started watching the the pro wrestling product again, mostly WWE and TNA. Um, but you know, they had enough program for me to watch every single night. So I had something to do every night. I started getting more invested in the program. And then once I got the full-time job, I, I, you know, I still had my nights free. So I, I continued being a fan, um, in one night in particular, uh, I'll, I'll try to keep this story a little short, um, cause it's, it's long and I've told it many times, but, uh, the, the gist of it is that, uh, my, my now fiance, soon to be wife, maybe by the time this is released, probably a wife, um, sort of got us kicked out of the, our original gym, uh, Best Fitness in, uh, in Nashville, New Hampshire. So we decided to relocate to Gold's Gym, in Nash- also in Nashville, New Hampshire. Uh, I, for some reason, was researching the manager of that Gold's Gym. I googled Gold's Gym manager, uh, Nashville, New Hampshire. One of the first articles that popped up was an article about uh, Triple H, a.k.a. Paul Levesque, who at the time was, uh, when, when he was a younger lad, he's uh, originally born and raised in Nashville, New Hampshire, and he, uh, he managed a Gold's Gym in Nashville, New Hampshire. Um, I don't think it was the same Gold's Gym, but maybe it was. I, I, think, it, I think it was. Was it? Yeah. Was that an old Gold's Gym up there on uh, Exit 8, whatever yeah. it is? It isn't? No. 
Yeah, I went to Triple H's gym. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it doesn't exist anymore now. It's like a fitness lab or something. Oh, Hans- really? Hanson was telling me about that the other day because he lives up up near there. Um, anyway, so I, I I Googled it. That brought me, or that that article said that he trained in Malden, Massachusetts. Also, ironically, at the time on the exact same street I was working on, Pleasant Street, Malden, Massachusetts. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Oh, did you fan- I- did you visit the uh, the old? I did, yeah. Kowalski, and yeah. actually, I lived right on Washington Street, which is right off of did Pleasant, you? too. Yeah, yeah. I, wor- I worked... Uh, <laughs> here's another little funny story that I, I I don't think I've ever told anyone. I used to work at the Committee for Public Council Services on Pleasant Street, 6 Pleasant Street, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a little government building mm-hmm. um, right on the corner there of, uh, of Pleasant Street. And I, uh, I got fired from that job because I attended an AJ Styles seminar in uh, in Binghamton, New York for 2CW. And I they just liked, weren't an AJ Styles fan? I, they were not only not an AJ Styles fan, they were no longer a fan of me because I, I got I got fired from that job um, because I, I said, in, in my defense, I had like a ton of vacation days that I hadn't used and I just forgot to use one that day. So I was like, oh, crap. It's the, Can I swear on this? Oh, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. So I was like, oh, shit. Um, I, you know, it's the day of the seminar. I said, I'm going to this AJ style seminar. I want to get booked to two CW. I'm going to go to the seminar and I'll just say I'm taking a sick day or whatever it happens to be. And then I stupidly tweeted about it. And apparently they <laughs> were on my Twitter and they saw that. So I, in my defense, if I just remembered to use a vacation day, I had plenty of those. So it wasn't like I was lying and stealing company money. I had vacation days. They, and I said, look, I have vacation days. You could use 10 of them for all I care, you know? Or if you weren't just just flaunting it on social media for uh, for the world to see. Yeah, back when my my Twitter (laughs) handle was at Chris Dijak because I didn't even have (laughs) the the Donovan (laughs) moniker yet. Um, So uh, apparently they were following me or or something. So all 100 of my followers saw that that wonderful tweet, um, which... Ended up working out for the best because I, I after that I got the job that I'm at right now, which is which is very flexible and allowing me to work a, a part time schedule while I professionally wrestle on the weekends, which is which is great gives me something to do during the weeks and everything. Um, where was my story going? So Kowalski's. I so I so I, I I found the Kowalski's website, which linked me to the CTC website, which linked me to the New England Pro Wrestling Academy website in North Andover, Massachusetts. North, the great the great town of North Andover, Massachusetts. So yeah. what was it like uh, training over there? It's um. A lot of people say it's intimidating uh, at first. Intimidating wouldn't be the the, the phrase I would use, um, especially because I have so much experience at like you know high level football. You know people's jobs and lives are on the line, so so they're screaming and hollering and losing their mind about everything, and every every step and inch you take is is you know criticized and critiqued. So so from that aspect, I wasn't intimidated per se, but but you could definitely tell that Fury was um, intense. He, uh, he, he, his passion, his, uh, his drive, uh, for his students to succeed was, was unparalleled. Um, so, so I, I appreciated that. I, I, I definitely bought into the, to the fact that he wasn't just there to, to play around, you know, and that's, that's, that's something a lot of pro wrestling trainers don't really do. I, I've scoured the world. I've, I've gone from country to country training at, at all sorts of different places. And a lot of places you find that, they they understand that a lot of pro wrestling fans who show up to to train and maybe aren't necessarily built uh, for the business 
they they want to keep them there because you know they're paying money to be there. Right. So they'll they'll cater to them. You know, uh, oh, you're you're doing well, you're doing fine. You know, please, because that's human nature. People want to hear that they're doing good, or when they hear from someone or somewhere that they're that they're doing well, then they then they're all excited and then they want to keep coming back. Fury doesn't do that. Uh, people get weeded out fairly quickly at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy um, because he'll tell them that they're not doing well and that they need to change things. And and a lot of human beings don't like to hear that, but. The honest truth is if you don't like hearing that, then you're probably not cut out for the pro wrestling business because if you can't take criticism, I'm not going to say there's not a spot for you because there's plenty of guys in pro wrestling who can't take criticism, but they, they end up not getting better. That's that's the nature of it. And I think that's probably one of, if not the most important thing I got from from playing sports is that if you're in, in sports, you're always trying to get better. It doesn't matter how good you are. Even if you're LeBron James and you know you're the best, you still go to practice and you still look for critique from your coaches because uh, there's always room for improvement. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And for some reason, pro wrestling, that for, that doesn't apply to most people. They feel like they reach a point and they, they don't need to train anymore. They don't need to get better, you know. But th- there's such a group of guys who work like three times a year and they, they think they're at this level where – where they've reached like the pinnacle of pro wrestling and they, they don't need to, to train to get better. And I, I guess that's just human nature for some people, but it's definitely not what, what Brian Fury allows. And, and I would, I would rank him amongst the, the top uh, trainers in, in, in the world, uh, realistically speaking. And, um, but definitely, definitely easily the most underrated trainer, I think in, in all of pro wrestling. Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because one of the things when I, when I was uh, I trained there for a bit with Fury, and the one thing I always talked about was um, back when guys broke in in the 70s and 80s and stuff, uh, aside from their training, but once they actually started working, they were working six and seven nights a week. Oh, yeah. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore unless, no. unless you are with WWE. Right. That's it. <laughs> you know, and so going to wrestling class is – of vital importance because if even if you're wrestling Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that's only three nights a week. So if you go and get two extra nights a week, the more you're in the ring, the more you're better. So that's amazing from a very young, Spe- po- you know, young point. You picked up on that, especially early on. I mean, if you're in your first two or three years, I mean, that, that, that's when you're you're creating habits. That's when you're you're uh, you're uh, molding what what and who you want to be. I think then especially you need to be in the ring as much as possible. Um, just uh, for muscle memory's sake, if if nothing else, I mean, may, maybe once once you get you know five or six years in, if if you're if you're a good worker, you're working you know three maybe max four times a week, something like that. That might be enough, especially if it's against like really good competition. Um, but any, anything less than that, I you can you can maintain, but you're certainly I don't think you're going to get better in my opinion. But that that's. That's a, a basketball. It's a football mentality. You know, we'd we'd practice five days a week. We'd have games the other days, uh, and and I I played two sports all the way through college. So there was never an off off season for me. Um, you know, maybe physically I'm regretting it now, but <laughs> but it it definitely creates a a um a mindset for lack of a better word that the a mentality that constantly need to be improving. You know, that's another thing is that a lot of guys. Um, they're they're taught, you know, you need to you need to get feedback. You need to ask guys for feedback, which is fine if you don't. But a lot of guys, um, a lot of guys ask for feedback, and they only want to hear positive things. 
which always bugged me. I, it's I, such bullshit. I'll, I'll literally, <laughs> I, I, I don't ask a lot of guys for feedback, which is definitely a fault of mine. I, I, I've shared, um, I was just in a locker room with, with Kurt Angle, and I, I, I meant to ask him for feedback, and I didn't because, I, I don't know, I always feel like I'm annoying guys, so I, I don't want to like bug people, um, which is a, definitely a fault of mine, and I wish I were better about it. But when I do ask guys for feedback, I, I always ask like, uh, like handsome for feedback. He was one of one of the guys who helped originally train me, so I, I, I trust that he's going to be honest with me. I know that he's experienced, um, and I and, and even even him when I ask him for feedback, I don't say, "Hey man, you, did you see my match? What did you think?" Because because to me that's just asking for a bunch of compliments. Like, hey hey man, you know, <laughs> put me over. Tell me how good I am. I'll I'll specifically ask guys like, "Oh, what what didn't you like? What what?" Because that's that's. That's the basketball mentality. That's the football mentality. You got to find out what you did wrong so you can fix that. I'm I'm disinterested in what I did right. I know what I did right because the crowd cheered when I did something right or you know whatever reaction I was looking for. That's that's what what happened and what I got. So I know when I did something right. I need to know the the the, the details of of what I did wrong. And so that that's what I specifically ask guys for. And I I don't feel like a lot of guys do that nowadays. I think a lot of people are just fishing for compliments which oh yeah you're exactly right you got the guys who um yeah they just want to be told what they're doing right or right. They, don't, they don't really give a shit it's just like just like oh this wasn't supposed to right do. right i'm it, supposed to shake everybody's hand yeah, i'm supposed to ask the vets for baloney, feedback like yeah, yeah and, and it becomes this like the moment you, you, you you'll know and you'll probably think of like a couple people when i when i say this the Oh, what what did you think? Well, you could have done this a little better. Yeah, well, you know, you know, I just do this for fun anyway. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, here's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I'm glad you asked me for feedback so I could, so you could tell me what what you what your thought process was. No, but no, man, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of trainers, you were around a lot of uh, great trainers uh, pretty early on because. You went down to Florida for a WWE tryout, like a, a week camp, pretty early on in your career. How early was that? Uh, it wasn't a week camp. It was. It was, oh, okay. it was only like three days. Uh, I think they might do weeks now. I don't. I don't know. Um, so I started. Uh, I did my first fantasy camp at the at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy in uh, September of 2012. Um, I had. Uh, to save up money to afford the tuition. Um, so my brother loaned me the money. So I started uh, th- like selling advertising dog food at Petco. Uh, to <laughs> So I picked up a second job in order to be able to afford pro wrestling training. So I'm, I, I started the training in I think early October or something like that. And then in it wasn't that long. Because when, when I started, my, my thought process was I'm uh, – a bigger guy. I'm a tall guy. I'm gonna send my stuff to WWE as soon as I possibly can, and I'm gonna get signed by WWE, and that that'll be it. Um, Which isn't too outlandish, a a not, theory, especially like back then when they were taking guys off the street just because they're big and tall. Back then, yeah, it, it was definitely the. Uh, I'd say it was in the beginning of the transition to right. to where they kind of are now, which is. Um, yeah, they still like bigger guys, but, but for the most part, especially if you're an indie guy, it doesn't matter too, too much how, what your size is. But yeah, definitely back then we, it was still on the, there was still the remnants of the, the old WWE code, which was, you know, six two two forty, and you're in. And I was six five two fifty, So I was in my head, I was definitely in, um, 
which wasn't the case. Uh, <laughs> out of out of <laughs> out of my tryout, the ironically, the guys who got signed were Chad Gable, who's obviously doing very well right now, um, and uh, Sunny something. I don't even know what his work name is, but he just debuted on the Authors of Pain, that thing. Cause, okay. Because they didn't sign him, and then he went and like did the Olympics or something, and then got a gold medal or something, and then they signed him, and then he started training, and then he debuted as, as Look, one get, of those. Get a gold medal. you got to sign Right. you gotta, you got to <laughs> sign the gold medal. So I think I think him, and then uh, there might have been one other guy who was like a big uh, amateur wrestler type. So lots of amateur wrestlers at, at that tryout camp. Um uh, some of them Olympians and some of them, you know, obviously got signed. I was not one of them. <laughs> I did not get signed. Uh, but yeah, so I, I contacted WWE really early on. I think late December, early January, uh, 2012 to 2013, I contacted them. I got a response in January uh, that said that they wanted to bring me in for a tryout camp. It was the the final tryout camp at uh, the old FCW in Tampa. Uh, it was the right before they built uh performance center it's funny uh, todd uh, hansen he went to the first one at the performance center correct so, yeah. they actually asked me um which one i wanted to go to he said do you want to go to uh this one i didn't know it was going to be a performance center but he said do you want to go to this one in june uh which will be mostly amateur athletes and olympic athletes and stuff or do you want to go to this one in August, let's say I don't know exactly what month it was, but right. this one in August, which will be more indie wrestlers, and my I was green as hell at the time, so I'm like I don't want to be the one with indie wrestlers. I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be totally exposed. I'll go to the the one with athletes, like I know, and I ended up doing fairly well because all it was was like blow up drills and in ring stuff, and and even if, this is the 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 funny story that I like to tell a lot of the 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 trainees at the school is I was in the ring with a bunch of literally Olympic caliber athletes, and most of them were getting blown to smithereens because being in the ring is a very specific skill set that any, even if you're the greatest athlete on earth, you can't just step into a pro wrestling ring and, and knock out the blow-up drills because they're hard. They're hard as hell. The only the only guys who, for the most part, did, uh, you know, about as well as I did or, or or better than me were the guys who ended up getting signed, like Gable just took right to it. He, he was killing the, the blow-up drills, but... But for the most part, guys, you know, Olympic caliber athletes, ex NFL players, they're all getting blown to smithereens because it's really hard to hit the ropes and have that footwork that you need to get up and down and get up and down and jump over the ropes and whatever else the hell they had us do. But um, but yeah, so I I, I agreed to to that. Um, so they also told me they wanted me to do TV. So ironically, my first match was uh, was in a WWE ring uh, right before <laughs> right before SmackDown in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, before the doors opened, right? Before the doors opened, yeah. yes. It was not a it was not a dark match. It was just the the tryout match beforehand. So yeah, that's um, that's sort of how my progression to into that that camp started. I, I kind of got to the camp by going through Jerry Briscoe, who's who's normally known for being a amateur wrestling scout. Mm-hmm. I obviously have no not obviously, but I have no amateur wrestling background whatsoever. My background's in football and basketball. Um, so he, he wanted me to gain a lot of weight. So I was gaining weight for that camp. Um, I had a lot of issues going into that camp. I, I ended up tearing my, my, uh, my right pectoral muscle in a, uh, training, uh, seminar a month beforehand. So I was doing extensive rehab while I was going there. It was, it was a whole barrel of fun basically is, is what it, what it boils down to. So I'm, I'm curious cause I mean, we've seen, you know, I mean, you've been around long enough now to see guys go there, get turned down. And I'm always interested because I, I think at the time, I don't know how much interacting we were doing at, at this point in time, probably not a whole hell of a lot. Um, but 
what was your mindset coming out of that? So you went there, you put out, you, you kind of coming out of the gate. You, it seems like you put like all your eggs into that basket. Like, what is what is your mindset coming out of that now? Because I mean, obviously you've adapted now and doing pretty damn well for yourself. But I, I, thankfully, I, I didn't get the like the go kill yourself response <laughs> that I hear a lot of guys get. The the hey man, burn your boots and uh, don't ever call back. I didn't get that response. I, I I've I've been steadily getting the the. <laughs> there's always next year, kid. Like for for three years now, so so we'll see if if, if there is next year at some <laughs> point. But um, but yeah, I, I. So the doors always remained open, which is fine. In my head, uh, I guess I I justified it as well. You know, if if this route isn't going to work for me, then I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I I figure it out somehow. I'm gonna dedicate myself to figuring this out. Um. And, and and at that point, I mean, I'm, you know, nine months in. So at that point, I, I had already grown a, a love for pro wrestling. I had, I had you know, I, if, you, if you contacted me on day one, it was, yeah, probably WWE or bust. Once, once I'm nine months in and I, I go to the tryout camp, I mean, I'd uh, picked up a second job. I'd made so many sacrifices at that point. I'd done ring crew. I'd been amongst the boys forever. I'd been training three, four times a week. I've been killing myself, busting my ass, killing myself, busting my ass. So at that point, I, I'm in love with pro wrestling. So I go to this tryout, and they tell me to go. You know, the, you know, it's not. They didn't tell me to go pound sand, but you know, they they say, oh, you know, you're not what we're looking for right now. That's not gonna stop. I'm not gonna say, oh, well, that's it. You know, because at that point, I'm already in love with pro wrestling. You know, it's it's something I'd already dedicated my life to at that point. So so I said, okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna succeed somewhere else, and I'm gonna prove them wrong. So so that from that aspect, it's definitely I I understand some other guys, and I, I've. Obviously, we've all heard the story of the guy who who works and works and works and finally gets that big break and goes to the tryout and then gets told no and then they want to you know they want to go you know play in the street or something. <laughs> they never they won't they never want to see a pro wrestling ring again. That I understand because you know you work hard and you work hard. I didn't work that hard to get there. I mean, obviously, I worked hard, but the first time they saw me, they oh this guy's tall, let's bring him in for a camp or whatever. So. So it wasn't like I, I I was in some like horrible dark place, you know. I they said no, fine, you know. I'll I'm sure I'll have other opportunities in the future. It's it's fine. There's other other companies. I think I went to a ROH camp maybe like three months after that. So, so and and I've been incredibly fortunate. It's not it's not um, it's not lost on me what other guys had to go through in the world of professional wrestling before I got in it. I I understand that that I obviously got an opportunity that I didn't deserve because of the the way that I looked and I I um it's also not lost to me that 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 other guys you know they they um like some guys will will hear me me talking about it brushing aside the WWE opportunity that's not that's not what I'm 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 trying to do because I understand the 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 nuances of how professional wrestling has has developed especially on the independent level over the past 10 years i i get that that back maybe in 2004 2005 that, that if you got a shot like that was it and if it didn't work out like it it was like ring of honor wasn't an option you know like uh there was no traveling overseas i i understand that and i'm 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 lucky in that sense that that it's 2016 or at the time it was 2014 and pro wrestling was moving in that direction where where guys like me could have the opportunity to to wrestle at a at a at a beyond wrestling, you know, and have the whereas whereas ten years ago in New England, if you wanted to work, you know, good if you wanted to work good high quality wrestling matches, 
you had maybe one or two options. Now I've got five or six options. Now I can go to different places and, and, and places can afford to not saying I didn't make financial sacrifices. I did. I made a lot of them, but it's, it's right now is a, is a, a perfect storm on the independent scene. And, and that's not lost on me. I understand that things would be a lot different if it were 10, 15 years ago and that I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate to have the opportunities that I have on both, uh, in terms of the, my height, my size, my look, whatever it happens to be that, that gets me the, the tryouts and opportunities, both combined with the fact that I can even pursue the opportunities because there, a lot of these are opportunities that didn't exist 10 years ago. You know, I like ROH has tryout camps now where, where you can go to be seen. Whereas 10 years ago, I don't know how the hell you got into ROH. You probably had to know a guy who knew a guy. You probably had to be in the business for 10 years and know Gabe Sapolsky's daughter's son's brother for all I know. You know, it's and, and, and with the progression of YouTube and with the progression of Facebook Messenger, I mean, these are all things that didn't exist 10 years ago. And I, I, I just happen to be lucky that now is the time I got into professional wrestling because I've, I've benefited greatly from 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 all of those things and that's i think that's why guys are are able to to progress the way that they are now i mean uh, a, a guy like me or a guy like leo rush for example you know who's only been wrestling two years a guy like moose i mean granted moose was in the nfl so maybe it's a little different or a guy like matt riddle who was in ufc you know they, they progress a little quicker because you know maybe they're given some more opportunities but i mean the same goes for me because i'm a taller guy but uh I, I think I think in this day and age you're allowed to progress quicker just because you're allowed more opportunities because it's it's just the way that that things have fallen into place you know a guy like Leo Rush is able to be on Ring of Honor he's not even like two years in the business I mean that that has something to do with the fact that you can go to these camps that you can go to you can send people your 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 matches on YouTube you can get booked in in Delaware Florida wherever by sending stuff I I was booked at, in WXW in in Mineola Florida. I, I probably wasn't a year into the business and I was, I was traveling to Florida. That's not something I don't think that occurred even five years ago because how the hell were you going to get your, you know, what do you like send a tape to some random address that you got from some guy? Like the, the I, I just feel like it's, it's different now in, in today's day and age. So, so I, I've been fortunate in that aspect. Do I, do I think if, if it, if it were a different time that I wouldn't have pursued it, I think I would have anyway, because that's how much I loved pro wrestling and I loved being in the ring and whatever. But do I think I would be at, in the spot I am right now at the level I am right now? No, absolutely not. I don't. I don't think I would be even close, to be completely honest. It's refreshing you have that that perspective because as somebody who has who spent the you know predominance of my, of my in ring career during the kind of time you were talking about, like oh my god, is a different climate. I mean, when I first broke in, it was like the days of like. I mean, now I feel like a company pops up, they put up a ring, and there's a hundred or more people there by accident. <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, Mike and Mike can attest to this. How many times do we work in front of crowds of? I mean, at one point, the chaotic, which now regularly draws two hundred or so plus. Um, I mean, one hundred twenty five, hundred thirty was a good night, and you'd work all these shows where it's friends and family. I worked a show. Uh, they allowed us to have a comp. Um, and there was literally nobody paid, so I made Steph, my, my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, I made her pay because there was literally no paid fans at this show, um, and, and there was no money to be made. There, well, there was one place, WWE, that was it. So this, yep. this renaissance is and amazing. I, I, I actually had... Um 
I was at the very end of that. My my beginning days were like the conclusion of that time period, which I think is also good for me in terms of perspective, because I I can remember I, I I've worked I've also worked shows in, in front of zero people that that d- didn't pay and so for me to to literally see like the 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 grassroots seed planting progression of what it's turned into today where everyone's on the independent level anyway and I guess WWE too is is benefiting from it and to see this this uprise in social media and, and YouTube and people being able to watch and and um, the uh, on demand accounts those. Those things where like every company has an on-demand account now that you're paying money for to, to see. Um, so I, I think it's good that, that I was able to get the, the perspective of that, especially especially like coming up in the business. I mean, as, as, a, as a green kid in, in 2012 to, to really have to, to work and, and hustle to, to make, you know, 15 bucks or whatever it happened to be, I, I, think, I think benefited me, um, but not as much as, as the whole... Um, the whole progression of how everything's gone over the past four years has, has obviously benefited everyone. So uh, leaving that child camp, you know, you went back, uh, chaotic wrestling, uh, became the chaotic wrestling champion, did all these indies all over, like you're saying. Uh, how did the ROH opportunity come up? I mean, I, I was going to the... I guess that's another benefit of, of the way I... Um, I guess my perspective coming into wrestling, because I started when I was 25. Most guys start when they're 18, so they're just kids. Um, in my opinion, they're just kids. I, I was a dumb kid at 18, and most people are. Um, 25, still dumb, but less of a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little bit more perspective, so I, I knew my clock was ticking. Um, even right now, I know my clock's ticking. I'm 29 now, and I, you know, how many years do you have left in pro wrestling? You know, if, if I'm lucky, maybe 10. Um, if I'm really lucky, maybe 15, you know? <laughs> um, so, so I, I knew I had to get the, the ball rolling. So I, I was trying everything, you know, I've, I've done tryout matches for Evolve. I've done tryout matches for CZW. I did every ring of honor camp to me, to me, the camps, especially as a, as a, as a, as a green guy coming up in the business, those were seminars and camps and especially tryout camps were, were no brainers to me because that, those are the, the. I want to use the word free, um, even though they cost money, right? Because the they're, they're the opportunities where they can't say no, you know. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's plenty of people like I can I could send out, and I got said no to a million million fucking times. Uh, <laughs> I sent out more email. That's th- that's the thing is I think people in pro wrestling are afraid to get told no, which always struck me as as strange. Because I, I'm, I, especially coming up in sports, I was constantly told no. Uh, I sent out letters to every college in, in the world, I think, to, to try to get recruited. Almost all of them didn't respond. Some of them did and said no. The three that did respond were like UMass, BC, Syracuse, and then like a couple of like Maine and brown or whatever so not to so the, be bragging or anything they're the they're the <laughs> and not a brag because uh syracuse and bc i went to both of their camps and they told me to go fly a kite <laughs> um and then umass offered me a partial scholarship you maine offered me a full scholarship but that was maine i don't know if you've ever been to maine or no that place is sure oh, oh boy our listeners in maine are angry right now <laughs> Uh, they're not that angry because I my my official visit to the University of Maine in Orono was uh, I I want to say January sixteenth or something like that, oh. which um, 
it was cold. <laughs> it was very, very cold. And there was nobody on campus because they were on winter break. So it was not a positive experience. But anyway, I, I got denied from so many places and that. So I learned that you, you're not going to get any opportunities that you don't ask for. So I asked everybody in pro wrestling. And I got told no constantly. It's, it's, it's so funny to me going back now now that that you know i i because now i'm you know pro wrestling's uh my full-time job so now um you know i i have to treat it like a full-time job so i have to i have to hustle looking for for jobs you know i have openings i got to fill these openings i got to you know weigh weigh prices and costs and stuff um so i'm doing all that and i i i message some of these people and uh because i see they have an opening or whatever and then Right above that, because Facebook Messenger saves every message you've ever sent in its in its cache history or whatever. Right. And some of them, I'll have messages from 2014, 2013, 2012, just me sending out matches for forever. It was me and you from uh, from from Lowell. It was it was me and Brian Malonis from Lowell. It was, oh, it, was it was legitimately the first match I ever had that wasn't like a squash <laughs> match. Or like a weird like against like a weird like uh, you, you were the best opponent I had I had I had I had wrestled. All right, I like to, this guy to 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 that very point. Um, so did I get you any bookings at least? No, almost son of a bitch, <laughs> almost none. Because I, I was wow. sending I was sending it to everyone. I didn't care. There there was no <laughs> reservation. I'd send it to. Funny, I was getting a lot of calls around this time. I sent I sent the <laughs> I sent that match to to Dreamwave to PWG to to. Uh, VIP to um, freelance to to every company across uh, wherever to evolve to CZW I'd I'd send it anywhere because I didn't care they they'd look at it they'd say oh this guy's green he stinks I'm not booking him they'd say they'd either ignore it or say no all right that's fine so to me the 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 camps and the 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 the, the pay to have a dark match those were those were the easiest choices I could make because well they can't say no I'm paying them to say yes right. so once I get in front of them they'll see oh maybe he doesn't suck so bad maybe you know maybe he's got potential or whatever it happens to be and 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 the best part is they would run them you know periodically so I could keep going back so so yeah I started with chaotic um I I must have done a I must have done my first ROH camp I think it was definitely 2013 yeah, it was 2013, late 2013. So I had only been on shows for maybe three months, and I remember telling them that, and they were flabbergasted. Um, uh, I, I remember specifically uh, Hunter, the the uh, delirious. Uh, he, I remember specifically he was impressed with how I worked the hard cam, which was something that was always a, a fundamental that was that was pushed at the school. Um, obviously, they didn't. I. I wasn't ready to be in in Ring of Honor the first mm-hmm. time. The second time uh, was like February of 2014. So they put me on. Uh, gosh, what was what was that show? Future of Honor. Future of Honor two. Yep, against Moose was that summer, and then. So that was like a almost like a developmental show that Ring of Honor put on. Yes, in Delaware, I think. Laurel, Delaware. Yep. Yeah. So you and Moose. Yeah, we broke the ring. Um, <laughs> Moose was should have reinforced the ring for that yeah, one. <laughs> Moose was heavier at the time. I was heavier at the time. Uh, he just hit the ropes. <laughs> it might have been the first time he'd ever hit the ropes in a match, like uh, by the power of someone else. I'm sure he did. Like he he runs into the ropes himself. But like right, right. I you know I I don't know who he'd wrestled before that. But 
for the first time in our lives, we had someone else our size to to sort of wrestle. So we we did we you know we did plenty of uh, whip reversals and and whatever happened to to show up at the time. And one of them, he hit the ropes and it just snapped the, the top rope. It didn't snap, but it it made that big loud like clinging noise. Right. And then all of a sudden, the rope the ropes looked like wet noodles. Mm, yeah. So. Uh, that didn't stop me from doing my backflip off the second rope, <laughs> which which uh, I got. I didn't get yelled at, but like I got like uh, like a hunter gave me a talk in the back, like you can't be doing backflips off of broken ropes. <laughs> so that was an early lesson. Had to get your shit in though. That, that was an yeah. That was an that was an early lesson in uh, in uh, it doesn't matter that this is ROH. <laughs> you still need to wrestle smart, sort right. of. Um, sort of mindset so uh so yeah that that happened i i still um again every every opportunity i had to to show up and do ring crew and be seen to me those were and i was green at the time so that those were easy no-brainer choices i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna do ring crew for for anyone who's willing to let me i did ring crew for evolve ccw roh a million times chikara a million times because i wanted I wanted these. Com- I wanted one of these companies to invest in me. I wanted one of them to to, to take a chance and say, "This kid's green and he kind of sucks, but you know he's working his ass off and and he, he he's got potential." So eventually, ROH took that chance on me uh, with the with the top prospect tournament. I found out about that in in late 2014. I was booked for early 2015, and I ended up winning the top prospect tournament. I. I I got a, a good string of opponents. Um, I was able to string together a bunch of good matches, and they ended up they ended up signing me. So, so that's where I've been for the past year and a half plus now. That last match, the finals, that it was at the ECW Arena, right? Yep. Was would you consider that one of your uh, favorites, like a highlight for you? It was definitely special. Um, it's funny you you go back and and watch it. I hate going back and watching old matches like anything more than like four months <laughs> because I just I'm only four years into my career now it, from from the day I stepped foot in a pro wrestling ring was was uh, around or a little more than four months ago or four years ago. So that's not very long. So I, I'm even even today I'm still progressing at kind of a rapid rate. Um, especially considering now I'm, I'm, you know, every, every time I wrestle, I get to wrestle someone really good, you know, like last week I, I got to wrestle Matt Cross and that was kind of like, a it, it kind of gets lost on you. Like, like when I, when I have good opponents every single week, like world-class opponent, I mean, he's like a a Lucha, premier guy on Lucha Underground and it's, it's it almost gets lost in the shuffle, you know, and it's it's crazy that I'm I'm able to wrestle such quality opponents every week. But um but yeah, even even if I watch a match from like four, five months ago, I, I watch and I go, Oh, this this isn't good and this isn't good and this isn't good. Um, even though they're matches that at the time I you know, I was like the greatest match of my life and you know, I had the crowd rocking and rolling. Uh so that match in particular I probably haven't watched in a year or two. Um, well, not two. It's less than two years ago. But I probably haven't. Wa- I probably haven't watched it in a year, uh, just because I'll, I'll look at the fundamentals and like gag because they'll 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 make me sick. But uh, but the the feeling from that night, because um, it's funny. It, it's funny wrestling in front of a crowd who's seen you before, as opposed to a crowd who's never seen you before. And I know I know Sami Zayn touched upon this recently that that he's sad that he'll never be able to wrestle a match ever again in front of a crowd that doesn't know who he is. Because there's something so special about showing up in front of people who've never seen you before 
and you just walk out to silence and you go, oh, these people aren't going to be silent when I leave. <laughs> and then you're able to just wow them with all your stuff and your stuff's so original and whatever it happens to be. And they're, they're all so impressed and they're on their feet. So it's almost like it's a fine, it's a fine balance between uh, going out dry in front of a crowd who's never seen you before as opposed to going out in front of a crowd where you're, you're established and, and, and over in front of. Um, because on, on the one hand, if, if, if they've never seen you, you can impress them with all sorts of new shit. But um, if you're over, then it's it's almost harder to figure out which reaction is genuine and which one is like, that's our guy. You know, like I, I, I'm actually going through this right now at, at Beyond because I've had I've had so many quality opponents there that it feels like I've had like. 10 matches in a row or whatever, which have been really good. So the crowd is really invested in me. So at this point, I go out to wrestle matches, and they're already, you know, the second my music hits, they're they're losing their minds. They're, they're chanting my name the whole time. So I don't know whether anything I'm doing is good or not because I feel like I could just go in the ring and just, like, like start hula hooping and they'd start losing their minds about it, which is <laughs> which is kind of a disservice to me because I I need the criticism from the fans just as much as I need it from from the 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 the, the trainers and the the wrestlers in the back. So so it's it's a fine balance between that and and going out there in front of people who don't know who you are and don't care who you are and won't give you the time of day and aren't even paying attention to anything you're doing. So yeah, long story short, uh, <laughs> that match in my memory uh, holds a very special place because it was the the first time I really captured a crowd. They were really invested. It obviously got me a job. Uh, Will's obviously a, a tremendous opponent. Uh, we've had some of our, our best matches against one another. Um, but yeah, I'm probably not going to go back and watch the full match ever again because it, it just it, it it it'll look gross to me. So you uh, talked about Beyond Wrestling and all the uh, quality opponents you've had there. Uh, what do you think about Beyond overall? The presentation, being a part of it, what does that mean to you? I sent Drew Cordero a message. Um, I don't think I've ever told anyone this actually. Oh, inside stuff. Inside stuff. You yes, it. it's uh, exclusive. They had a show. I want to say Adam Cole was booked, and something happened with the ring or something like that. No, there was like a shooting outside of the of the the the, the place of, outside of Fat. Oh yeah, music. I remember that. Yeah, they um, and and they had to, they had to shut down. They had to cancel the show. He lost his ass because I think he paid everyone regardless. So so he was out of money. They didn't know if they were going to have another show. I remember sending him a message. Not, yeah. I mean, I was I was. <laughs> trying to make good with the booker or whatever, but I, I genuinely <laughs> meant what I sent him, which was that this area needs beyond wrestling. Um, because at the time, we had chaotic wrestling, and we had top rope kind of, and we had NECW sort of, and XWA kind of on the rise. But really, if you wanted like good quality opponents for me at the time, all I had was chaotic. Top Rope was giving me some bookings, and I had, you know, I was getting okay opponents at other places, but chaotic was kind of it. And chaotic had a very unique style. Not mm-hmm. unique. Unique's the wrong word. It had a very. Um, corporate that's what i want to say i want to say wwe corporate i I was going to say like formulaic if that makes sense but it it was very much that that wwe larger than life make everything count make the most out of everything so to me that was a good thing 
but we needed more, especially in the area, because the way the indies were going and the way that a lot of places had super indies and, and you had to wrestle a, a certain style to, to get uh, flown places and whatever it happened to be, we didn't exactly have that in the area. So I messaged him and I told him, I said, you know, hey man, I, I, I please let me know if there's anything I can do to, to help you out, whatever you need, because I, I know I don't work for Beyond Wrestling, but like this area needs Beyond Wrestling. Uh, because we we had the other parts covered, we had the the quote unquote WWE feeder system companies covered. We needed that style of wrestling in mm-hmm. this area, and to this day, I still believe that we need that style of wrestling in this area because it's now it's becoming infectious. Now, because of the success Beyond's had, XWA is having more success. Like that, XWA existed for a long time, but I right. I don't know what they were like before, but I assume it was it was less like they are now. Well, you know, is, Brian was is the last uh, one half of the last XWA tag team champions. Was it, so you worked there? What, were, were they like an indie kind of company before Beyond was? They, they were like no, they were more like a like a chaotic type that's thing. What I, it was that's, all it was basically all like the uh, pretty much any, guys yeah, and, any, stuff, any, and maybe com- like a big name, any like decent company around. Pretty much used the same mix of probably right, like right. ten or fifteen guys. Right. And I will say, yeah, me and Max Bauer have probably been the XWA tag team champions for. Like, <laughs> Like 13 years now, so <laughs> maybe he'll bring you back. Um, yeah, maybe he is bringing you back, though, right? We just discussed this. Wait yeah. a minute here, hold on. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, insider information alert. Um, but yeah, now now those companies are bringing in more guys. They're bringing in the Air Foxes, the Paul Londons of the world. Uh, JT Dunn's doing very well for himself, even though he's he's a local guy. Um, so Blitz Creek Pro Wrestling is starting to take more to that style. So it's it's infectious, you know. Cha- chaotic is starting to build more like that. And I know you had a large part in in that happening, Brian. So it's it's uh, and to me that's that's benefiting everyone. That 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 benefits everyone. Um, it's it's more money for everyone. It's more it's it's more uh, visibility for everyone. So so the fact that Beyond Wrestling was able to to get back on their feet uh, is. Uh, is, a, is, is both a testament to Drew Cordero and uh, a, a luxury to, to guys like myself who've obviously benefited tremendously from 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 Beyond Wrestling specifically. Let's go back to Ring of Honor. Um, okay. You got this big match coming up uh, September 30th, Lowell, Massachusetts, right uh, down the street from where you started training. All-Star Extravaganza 8, Ring of Honor pay-per-view. You and Bobby Fish for the TV title. You consider this your biggest match? Technically, this is a spoiler alert because Bobby Fish versus Shibata is on is on uh, television this week. Um, spoiler alert: Bobby Fish wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been announced on the week on the they, website. They announced it on the website under the the context of spoiler alert. Oh, I see. So you ruined it for all of you. Oh my god! <laughs> you ruined ROH TV this I'm week. I'm never getting a Ring of Honor now. No. <laughs> yeah, could you could you hold off on that? I mean, I, I got a big opportunity here coming up with Ring of Honor. Could you hold off on, on spoiling their television program, Mike? Are you trying to? Is that what you're trying to do? You're trying to make sure I'm I'm stuck here on the, on this podcast with you forever? Yeah, I can't do this alone. I I apologize. What was the what was the final question of of the of the Bobby Fish? Do you feel like this is your biggest match in Ring of Honor? pay-per-view TV uh, it's title the biggest match of my career not just yeah. in ring of honor yeah uh, without question um bobby fish such a high caliber opponent lowell massachusetts more or less my hometown I, I mean i lived in tingsboro for so long which is right on the lowell border um it's where i made my my chaotic debut uh which was probably my second match ever or something like that 
it's where I wrestled a, a ton of really <laughs> important matches, including against Brian Malonis, including a one where I wrestled. Uh, I know he wanted to get to this story. I, I wrestled Chase Del Monte in the oh Massachusetts, boy. and I bled like a stuck pig all over all over the Lowell PAV. I I christened it with my blood while my my lovely. Uh, it, this was before fiance. My lovely girlfriend at the time, I think, was uh, was no, in no, attendance. No, you, you had you had just gotten engaged. I had just <laughs> gotten engaged, had I? Oh yeah, my! Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to tell you how I know how? Please. So Dijak's bleeding all over the place. <laughs> I would say your girlfriend, though, probably not 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 like an unreasonable reaction. No, because uh, I'm guessing Ashley's not a huge. She wrestling is not fan. a pro wrestling fan. Yes. So so for all the everyone who's <laughs> listening to this is probably a pro wrestling fan. Imagine you're not a pro wrestling fan, and the the love of your life is is bleeding profusely in in a scene <laughs> like uh like when where do you see a crimson mask if you're not a pro wrestling fan where do you see crimson mask like a war movie maybe like, yeah <laughs> like somebody just got their head blown off like that's yeah the only it wasn't time, a little bit of blood yeah that's the only time you see like a lot of blood so 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 this is the love of her life bleeding profusely she has no idea whether it's scripted whether whether i'm but as most people know it's not scripted i did not intend for that to happen i was accidentally bleeding profusely from the head and and she was not not happy about it no so she's she's backstage now and and like things have diffused a little bit you're back the match is over mm-hmm. you're you're getting cleaned up or whatever and i think she was talking to jamie and, and i can see the angst on her face so I, i'm just trying to like help now i'm just trying to like make small talk or whatever yeah. get her mind off of the fact that you may have just died um <laughs> so i go oh my god i haven't i haven't said congratulations congratulations and 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 she looks at me and goes i'm not worried about that right now or something to that effect and i was like okay i'm gonna walk in the other room now <laughs> my my uh my fiance soon to be wife next week is a is a very uh uh, the, the first word that comes to mind is abrasive, but that that's not not exactly true because she's actually a real sweetheart and she she like bakes cookies and stuff for the whole locker room now, so everybody loves her. But but when she's unhappy, you're you're very much aware of it, and she was not happy that night. I think she scolded uh, Jamie. She cornered like Jamie and who who was the booker? Were you the booker at the time? Uh, yeah, it was me. Me and Tarzan. I think I think Tarzan was back at that point. Chase. She definitely um, cornered Chase and Jamie. Ch- yeah, I, I didn't. The only wrath I got was was when I tried to like, you know, continue diffusing right, right. the situation, which which was and, and, and again, to, <laughs> to, to, to I adore your girl, or your or your, your soon to be wife. Yes. Like like she's a, a wonderful woman, mm-hmm. and, and I enjoy talking to her. Um, and, and when she found out I was leaving chaotic, she had very nice things to say about me. Yep. Um, but wow, yeah, <laughs> she was not happy. <laughs> she was not happy. Just I didn't see this part. I just heard about it from from. Chase and Jamie that she cornered them, scolding them. I mean, in in her defense, they probably kind of deserved it. Um, maybe Chase definitely deserved it because Chase hit me with the wrong side of a trash can lid, and and that's what busted me open in a in a show where the expectation is no blood, no cursing, no blood, we, no cursing. You know, we all know all the rules, but um, so so my bleeding was definitely his fault. She was mad at Jamie for not stopping the match, which. There's an argument to be made that he probably should have stopped that match on a, on a show in a show in front of a bunch of children. Uh, I'm happy he didn't because it ended up being a, a big moment for me and I became this this martyr or whatever. Um, so I'm happy he didn't. 
But in hindsight, as a as a promoter of a show in front of children, uh, where we advertise a PG atmosphere, I was bleeding pretty bad. I, I, think- I may have had a hand in that match, not getting stopped. I- <laughs> <laughs> That's why now I know I, I may have had a hand in that That's match. That's why not I know he's defending stopped. it. Rich Palladino would have words with you as well because I I bled a, a pool of blood, probably probably the size of maybe three basketballs right in front of his son who who was visibly disturbed by it and he was not happy with me because of that <laughs> hey, you know what that shit happens yeah, it's yeah, pro l- wrestling listen listen like, you don't you know, have to you know I, I wasn't mad about it but but she definitely was and <laughs> yes, rich, she rich was. wasn't thrilled either so so yeah lowell obviously has a, a huge huge importance to me um, I'm well, not here's sure. The question I, is is Ashley coming to the pay per view? She is. She is. All right. If I get busted open, my goodness, <laughs> it'll be it'll be stop pa- the pay per view. It'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be live on pay per view. <laughs> We're not stopping anything. Uh, TV 14 rating, I think. So so we can go all night with that blood if we want. Um, but yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I, I'm not sure I could handpick a better venue. Um, it'll be it'll be really interesting because I'm 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 kind of a a revered character on 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 television through no real choice of my own. I I, I just kind of do whatever, and the crowd reacts one way or another. And I'm one of the very few people in in Ring of Honor who get booed, which is fine with me. I don't I don't care either way as long as I'm getting some sort right. of reaction. I, th- I think originally they wanted me to get cheered and I just started getting booed and I was like, well, F it. If they're going to boo me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend I like it. So I just started <laughs> telling, telling the fans to, to, you know, go down. Yeah, to stick it. <laughs> and then they just booed me more. So, so I think for the first time it'll be interesting because I'm, I'm fairly certain that I'll get cheered. If I don't, I don't care, but uh, I'm fairly certain that this, this match will have buzz if nothing else. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. I have some fun stuff planned with, um, with some familiar faces, and I, I, oh. I think it's going to be yeah. There's a little insider tip. Stay tuned, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it's it's really good. And 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 all that all that being said, Bobby Fish is one of the best pro wrestlers in the world, and it's for one of the most prestigious titles in in the history of pro wrestling. So I could not possibly be more excited than I am for this match. Well, uh, me and Brian should be there. We'll be watching, and hey. it's, it's an All Star Extravaganza Friday, September thirtieth, on traditional pay per view from Lowell, Massachusetts, and this has been fantastic. Mr. Dijak, it's great having you here, and thank you very much for being on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, and before we finish, I just want to say one thing. You know, uh, My match with you at Cold Fury, legitimately one of my favorite matches I've ever had in 15 years, and then the, the moment, it's kind of like sometimes you get those real moments in wrestling. Uh, I did get my this first This Is Awesome chant of my entire career, so I, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> um, but just the kind of, we had like that moment where we hugged, and, and uh, uh, you had a few nice words to say. I mean, and I'll reserve the words because sometimes those things are just for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did appreciate that. One of my favorite matches of all times. And that little moment uh, did mean a lot to me. So thank you and thank you for doing this. No, oh, it was it was my pleasure. It's it's uh, it's also one of my my favorite matches of all time. I've been very fortunate in the past two years to have great opponents at Cold Fury between uh, Chase Del Monte and yourself, and and that match definitely lives right at the top of the list if if not the the peak of the list of my my favorite matches in chaotic and and it definitely ranks amongst the my one of my my favorite personal memories of in all of pro wrestling for me and my career hasn't been nearly as long as yours but but in in my short career that that i i will remember that match until the day i die so so thank you very much for 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 giving it to me as well 
Oh, I, I didn't expect it. such a uh, touchy feely end, ending we're, here to the. We're uh, we're hugging right now. We're, <laughs> we're, me and me and Brian are, are Brian get off are, his lap. Are embracing each other as we speak. <laughs> All right, thanks very much, sir. Yes, thank you. And as I mentioned, Donovan Dijak will be appearing at Ring of Honor's pay per view Friday night, September thirtieth, from Lowell, Massachusetts. All Star Extravaganza Eight, where he challenges Bobby Fish. For the television title, so much more on that show, including Ladder War 6, The Addiction versus the Motor City Machine Guns versus the Young Bucks. The world champion Adam Cole takes on Michael Elgin. So much more on that show. And that is, again, Friday night, September 30th, 9 p.m. bell time. Doors open at 7.30. So if you're local like we are to Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, get your tickets to the show. And if not, watch it live on pay-per-view. And as Brian mentioned, it's kind of our catchphrase here, uh, pulling back the curtain, and I'm going to do that once again. Uh, this is Sunday night. It's uh, about 1.15 in the morning, and I got home from Brian Malonis' house where we recorded the podcast. We recorded the open and the close of the podcast to uh, bookend the Donovan Dijak interview. And I got home, and the second half was completely missing. I we The footage that was recorded is gone it's in the ether i have no idea what happened uh this is for all you podcasters out there make sure you double check triple check make sure you have what you need before you leave and now i have no way of uh getting that back so here we go i'm going solo for the rest of this podcast we're going to get through all the segments we have to get through and we're going to get out of here so what do you say folks join me on the wrestling podcast about nothing as i fly solo for this last little bit here all right, let's do it. It is Merv Griffin time, folks. The talk show within a talk show. Our chance to sit down with listeners and talk. We talk to you, and most importantly, you talk to us, or you talk to me this time out, actually. Get in on it by calling our voicemail line. That number is 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Okay, our first call this week Got in a little late uh, last week. Last week we recorded on Thursday. We got this call on Friday. So um, it didn't make it into last week's show, but we're going to put it in this week. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys. This is Brian Fury calling in. Uh, first off, just wanted to say it's good to hear Mike Mills on the podcast. I've done his podcast a couple times, so it's good to see some podcast love going around, uh, even if he was really, really creepy about Sasha Banks. Uh, secondly, greatest heel in chaotic wrestling history, Brian Malonis tooting his own horn. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree. And I'm not going to toot my horn, uh, but I am going to toot the horn of somebody I was very closely affiliated with for a long time in chaotic wrestling, and that would be Sean Gorman. I think he was probably the one person to garner the most heat uh, in chaotic wrestling during his tenure there. Not necessarily just when he was with me, but when he did the angle where he took over chaotic wrestling and was running chaotic wrestling for a little while. Tremendous heat, uh, tremendous heel. Sorry, Malonis, you're up there, but you're not the top dog. As always, keep having a great podcast. I love listening and hope to be a guest again sometime in the future. 
Enjoy. A WPAN alumnus, former guest Brian Fury, thanks so much for leaving that voicemail. Unfortunately, uh, Stephen at HHH Guy 2004 kind of stole your thunder last week talking about Sean Gorman as the top heel in chaotic wrestling history. Even the Kingpin uh, conceded that Gorman did a a lot as a heel personality in chaotic wrestling. He's right up there. I don't know if he'd give him the top spot. The Kingpin's very protective of that. But uh, uh, also, uh, thanks for the shout-out from Mike Mills. Mike Mills, uh, his uh, Sasha Banks uh, creepiness. I guess we have to go with you on that one. And thanks once again for the phone call. Uh, as his career winds down here, Brian Fury did announce on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing that 2016 would be his last active year in the ring. And uh, I hope we can have him back before uh, the end of his career and maybe talk a little bit more here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Uh, thanks again, Brian. And let's go to our second voicemail call. This is from one of the originals, one of the first fans of the WPAN. This is Big Woody. Kingpin, Crack sucks. Big Woody checking in. Answering the question that nobody really gives a damn about, but it turns out that Tagar, Lord of the Volcano, was a guy by the name of Jack Diamond, who's a local indie guy from Arkansas. So there it is. Makes it official. I am the new biggest wrestling historian, or, as I like to say, the biggest mark that ever lived. Need any other information, don't bother calling Waller. Just give me a shout. Great show, guys. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and the legend of Tagar, Lord of the Volcano, lives on. Thank you very much, Big Woody, for the information. Um, this guy just won't go away. He's uh, <laughs> he's something else. Tagar, make sure you go back and listen to the promo about nothing from two weeks ago. Tagar, Lord of the Volcano. Watch the watch it on. You go to bdaradio.com and actually watch the actual video footage of this promo. It is. Uh, sight to behold, uh, straight out of the 80s, except it was 1991. Take a look at this Tagar, Lord of the Volcano video. And thanks, Big Woody, for uh, kind of putting a bow on the legend of Tagar. All right, folks. The other way to participate here in Merv Griffin time is using our hashtag on Twitter. That is hashtag PDA for BDA. You can tweet it at BDA underscore radio or at me, I'm at CrocSox, S-O-X, and he is at Brian Malonis, the kingpin. If he was here, he'd be at Brian Malonis. Uh, here we go, at RJ DeLuise. RJ is back. He says uh, he's promoting himself. Check out the most recent WPAN around the 18-minute mark. Hashtag PDA for RJ. Hashtag PDA for BDA. Hashtag undisputed heavyweight champion of saying things out loud. Yes, RJ still uh, looking for a way onto the wrestling podcast about nothing. Uh, apparently, he uh, spoke to Brian Malonis this past week. RJ was in town, but unfortunately, we couldn't uh, get it together to get him on the program. And as I mentioned, the the schedule I've worked out uh, actually through the end of the year at this point, and uh, there doesn't seem to be room for uh, Mr. DeLuise. Uh, I'm... I, there's nothing against you, RJ. I love you. And hopefully we can get you on the show as early in 2017 as we can. Thanks very much for checking in again this week. Uh, let's go to Steven 
I already mentioned him, at HHHGuy2004. He's talking about the Jean-Paul Levesque interview. Horrible accent that would never get over with us now. Uh, yeah, it was it was rough. His first televised interview ever. Check that out. Last week's uh, promo about nothing on episode 20. Uh, also, Mike Mills, at Mike504Saints. He is the host of Book in the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast, our very good friend. Uh, and we kind of went back and forth on Twitter with him uh, after the Sasha Banks swerve on Raw last week where they looked almost like a retirement speech, but as it turns out, she was just uh, making a statement to Charlotte that she was coming after her. Uh, Mike Mills says that was a close one, but he held it together. And uh, thank goodness for that. Mike Mills is still with us. He's still among the living after that uh, that little scare on Monday night. And Sasha Banks is back. She's back on the road wrestling, and uh, that's a very good thing. Uh, at Apt Elwood checked in on Twitter as well as left a voicemail and talking about a week in the life of the Kingpin, how he loved it. And thanks very much, Big Woody, as always. David Ratty. It's the David Ratty question of the week. Man, I wish we could get the Kingpin's thoughts on this, but he's not here. We recorded this already, but it's gone, as I mentioned. So I'm going to answer it. Here is the David Ratty question of the week. Thanks, at Dave Ratman on Twitter. He says, growing up as wrestling fans, I'm sure you attended several WWE events. What was the best WWE show you have ever been to? Um, when I talked about this earlier with Brian, uh, I think it was my first ever event. It was November of 1988. It was... The main event was Macho Man Randy Savage defending the WWF Championship against Bad News Brown. And it was my first time seeing these guys up close. I was in the seventh row. It was a birthday present for my dad. Me and my dad were there in the seventh row. And all these stars, bigger than life, bright colors. It was amazing to me. And, I mean, since I been around wrestling for so long it's kind of hard you get jaded going all these shows but that was my first and that's kind of the one that stuck out in my head um and of course i got a little lesson in what happens on the house shows doesn't really matter because macho man beat bad news brown pretty soundly and then i watched tv the next week you know bad news brown was undefeated and he just lost in the boston garden to Macho Man Randy Savage, this is big news. And then next week on TV, they were still saying how Bad News Brown was undefeated. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I just saw him lose to the Macho Man on a house show. And that's kind of where I learned that house shows don't quite matter. But uh, that was my biggest wrestling memory attending a, a WWF show. And what did the Kingpin say? The Kingpin talked about... What do I care? What do you care, right? That's the question, and I answered it. So thank you again, David Rowdy, at Dave Ratman, for the question of the week. Can't wait to see what you give us next week. And finally, TK, at THOG94. He says, glad to know that at Brian Malonis feels invigorated about his career. Hope to see him at a Beyond Wrestling show soon, and the Kingpin is on Beyond Wrestling shows and he will be there October 2nd, I believe, Sunday, October 2nd, in Somerville, Massachusetts. is the next Beyond Wrestling show, and Brian Malonis will be in attendance. All right, let me give you a couple shout-outs. The Check in the Boots podcast, we've already talked about it a couple times. Referee Tony S., at Referee Tony S. on Twitter, 
at ChipKNAI on Twitter. Check out the Check in the Boots podcast. And, I mean, I love Brittany, who does our voiceovers, does our intro to the show. But, I mean, that intro on the Check in the Boots podcast, those sultry tones with that voiceover guy, I don't know, you might have to hook that up. Uh, let me know, Tony, what you can do about that. All right, now let's go to the Hurricane Rana podcast. We talk about these guys all the time. They're very good to us. At the Hurricane Rana on Twitter, as I've mentioned before, they do their show every Wednesday night live on Facebook Live. Check that out. Search Hurricane Rana podcast on Facebook to see all that. The New Age Insiders, we love those guys. They're good to us. At New Age Insiders on Twitter. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and NewAgeInsiders.com. Uh, Vern Vicalo also uh, gave us some nice words. At Selfie Made Man V2. Thanks, Vern, for checking out the show every week. The MacCast podcast. One of the original New England wrestling podcasts. Uh, I was a listener way back in the day when they started out. At Monster Mac Show on Twitter, uh, they talked about, hey, they want to do a Seinfeld podcast with us. Hey, I'm up for it. Let's uh, Once I get this whole uh, thing figured out, getting this podcast together, I've had so many difficulties lately getting this podcast together in one piece. Once we figure that all out, sure, let's do it. Also, OK Fabe. Connor, OK Fabe. At OK Fabe on Twitter. Check out OK Faber. That is the YouTube channel. He does great things on YouTube every week. Make sure you check him out, and he's a good friend. He'll be on with us very soon on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Okay, we want to see you guys here on Merv Griffin Time. If you're listening right now, we want to hear from you. Two ways you can participate, and you make us so happy if you would. Use the hashtag PDA for BDA on Twitter. Leave us your questions or comments that way. Or call the voicemail line. You know the number, 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Thanks to everyone who's a part of Merv Griffin Time this week. And we look forward to talking to you on Twitter, hearing your voicemails, and we will bring you the best of it next week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. All right, you know what time it is. Promo About Nothing. Here we go. It was WWF. 1990. WWF in those days, I mean, the land of silly, preposterous gimmicks. And none were more silly and preposterous than this fella, a very large man in a red striped tank top wearing a sailor hat. He went by one name, and he went by many names, but at this time, he was simply known as Tugboat. Let's take a listen to this promo from 1990. Earthquake, you thought you'd put me out of professional wrestling. Well, brother, I'm back, bigger and stronger than ever. Let me explain something to you, Earthquake. The only time a tugboat goes in reverse is when you put it in reverse. If you notice, every time you look out on that bay, they're always pushing, they're always shoving, and they're always pushing the biggest ships in the ocean. You know where that is? Because they're all engine, brother. Just a floating mass of steel. You know what that's like? It's like me having a heart the size of a city block. So you better be prepared to be shoved and pushed all over existence. Toot, toot, indeed. I just want to know, I wanted to be in this pitch meeting where someone pitched to a group of people, okay, this guy, 
let's make him a boat. <laughs> this I don't understand how this came up, where this came from, and how it ever got on TV. And this guy ended up being in somewhat of a prominent role. He ended up being... He was Hulk Hogan's best friend on TV for a while, and apparently, when I was talking to the Kingpin earlier, he said that uh, the Playboy had told him that the original idea was for Tugboat to turn on Hulk Hogan and be the main event of WrestleMania 7, Hogan versus Tugboat. And, I mean, there's really nothing more sinister than an evil sea vessel, uh, an angry angry boat is something you just don't want to mess with and i can't believe they didn't go in that direction well he did turn eventually he did eventually become part of a tag team with earthquake the guy he was talking about in the promo about nothing they were the natural disasters they won the tag team titles and of course he went on to become infamous as the one and only shock master fred ottman was the man's name and he had many many memorable gimmicks and a memorable career and this promo was very unmemorable, but, I mean, very, very ridiculous at the same time. Okay, you heard this promo about nothing, but if you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode, or go to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing page on BDARadio.com. Okay, now, the Kingpin has his... Nothing happenings. I usually say he is traveling the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying his trade as a professional wrestler, and he has dates. So what I'm going to do here is something a little bit unusual. I'm going to replay last week's uh, because it has all the same dates that he talked about this week earlier tonight. So here we go. The Kingpin. Take it away. On Saturday, September 17th, I return home to Atlantic Pro Wrestling, the heavyweight champion of Atlantic Pro Wrestling, defending against some fat piece of crap called Wrecking Ball Ligursky. Uh-oh. Yeah. This is supposed to take place a while ago, wasn't it? Well, it's happening now, Mike. Wow. It's happening now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this Tubbillard uh, to school and show him that I'm still the best big man in New England. Nobody's taking my mantle. I'm not going anywhere yet. And then September the 23rd, Friday night. Top Row Promotions, Brockton, Mass. I return to the fighting city of Brockton. Right. Isn't that where Vince Vicalo was from? <laughs> Brockton, Mass? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then Sunday, October the 2nd. Whoa. Yes. Okay. We're into October now. Beyond Wrestling, Somerville, Mass, Arts at the Armory, your old stomping grounds, yes. Somerville, Massachusetts. A yet-to-be-determined match. I will be wrestling. I'm a wrestler now. You won't even have to edit this out, Mike. I promise. <laughs> I didn't reveal my opponent. <laughs> I may already know who I'm wrestling, but I, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna call. I'm not gonna call you late in the week to edit this out. But Beyond Wrestling, I return to Beyond Wrestling on uh, October Sunday, o- October the second. Well, thank you, Kingpin from seven days ago for that lovely reading of your nothing happenings. And of course, folks, if you want to book the Kingpin, it's Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or hit him up on Twitter or Facebook and you can have the Kingpin on your very own show. 
Okay, let's get out of here. But before we do, a special shout out to the podcast with little talent, but lots of extra belly fat. A man walks into an arm bar. BDA Radio's MMA podcast hosted by Chad Alden and Paul St. Amon Jr. Subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and all the usual haunts, or find all the episodes on BDARadio.com. Now, guys, be a part of the wrestling podcast about nothing on every platform. On YouTube, search the WPAN and subscribe to us. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN. The WPAN is on Instagram. New, unique, exclusive photos at the WPAN on Instagram. And, of course, at the WPAN on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, follow at BDA underscore radio. That's our lovely, lovely sponsors. Plus, I am at Croc Socks. That's S-O-X, the only way to spell socks. And the kingpin is at Brian Malonis. Of course, use that hashtag PDA for BDA and get a shout out on an upcoming show. Call us 401-584-WPAN and leave us a voicemail. And for all of your MMA and wrestling talk, it is BDARadio.com. Don't forget it. Okay, I apologize for the technical issues. We'll have them solved. We will double check. We will triple check. We will have everything. The Kingpin will be here the entire episode next week. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but he will be here. I will be here. We will be back next Monday. Till then, he, the guy who's sleeping right now, he's the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. My name is Mike Crockett, and until next week, thanks for nothing. <laughs>